Welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. Yara is the global leader in crop nutrition knowledge and a producer of quality fertilizer products. Grow the future with Yara. Hello again from me, Ken Rundle, and Mark Tucker, Yara's head of agronomy. We're going to talk sulfur, a crop nutrient few of our grandfathers thought too much about because of centuries of industrial pollution that provided plenty. But today, the smoke is cleared, leaving many soils deficient in a nutrient closely linked to efficient fertilizer take-up. Am I right there, Mark? Sulfur provisions should now be routine? Yes, absolutely, Ken. There's um, been quite some change over the decades. Um, when we think back to the sort of 1970s um, and through those decades, 70s and 80s, then there was yeah tons of um, sulfur sort of heading up into the atmosphere during the year. So, um, that meant that deposition would be good. But we've seen over the time period from now and well, right through to now that that deposition levels is now down to tiny amounts, kilograms of sulphur per year, which means that clearly crops haven't changed. They're still wanting to grow. They still need that sulphur. So there's this mismatch now between deposition that we used to get from the skies and the rainfalls um, particularly in those heavy industry areas um, versus you know, that crop demand that's still there. And with bigger crops in terms of yields, then the crop demand has actually gone up in that time. What exactly does sulphur do? How, how does it work? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a really important nutrient. And I think that's something that over the years um, has perhaps been, yeah, it's been considered a secondary nutrient in many respects, but it is right up there with nitrogen and phosphate as being that key um, element. And in terms of why, and especially in a year like this where we've got high nitrogen prices, then maximising how that crop manages nitrogen is critical. And sulphur is that starting point. You know, it's the, the sulphur that gets into the plant, it gets then into the... Um, amino acids, they name like cysteine, methionine, and they're all the building blocks for the protein as that crop then grows and produces dry matter and, of course, eventually protein in the grain. So it is the building block, that first sort of stage, which um, yeah, is so important to get that crop and that growth off to a good start and continue right through to harvest. So how is it supplied or provided these days? Yeah, so I mean, there's there's a number of ways where sulfur can get into the um, crop nutrition plan, if you like. It can either come yeah from some historic deposition through the soil, so there's a small amount that'll come from there, but the rest then is going to be needed to be applied through um, either a fertilizer application. Um, or through um, manures and wastes that can bring some sulfur into the system. So there are a number of ways of doing it, but the, the most um, reliable and resilient way of managing your sulfur is through um, solid fertilizer applications or liquid fertilizer applications, where you can use a nitrogen sulfur grade, which applies um, a ratio of nitrogen and sulfur um, each time you're going through with that nitrogen application. Any particular products? Well, there's, I mean, there are options out there, various um, ratios, and we've got, and really the approach we want to, to think about is applying products that are going to deliver a season supply of sulfur. Um, so we can do that through multiple applications rather than just one early application, which is often seen. And again, it comes back to trying to get efficiency 
um, in every nutrient that we apply. And if we apply all of our sulfur with a high sulfur ratio product um, in February, early March, then sulfur, just like nitrogen leaches, moves through the soil. So that can be a bit of a high risk strategy. So you'll lose some efficiencies in the system there. Whereas if we take a, a product and we've got our axan, our sulfans, um, that are there with slightly lower percentage sulfur in, but we do them with the minimum two applications. So we're going with our first and our second, maybe even our third, depending on the nitrogen regime you've got um, applications. And that's going to just put some small amount of sulfur um, at each of those nitrogen applications. So not only are you getting efficient nitrogen management and nitrogen use by the crop, you're also getting that efficient sulfur use. So we're just, as that crop grows, as it takes sulfur up, and we meet that supply um, with our applications of um, the NS uh, grades there. So yeah, Yarabella Axan, Solfan, and another one particularly useful for the grassland sector is NutriBooster, where that again contains nitrogen, sulfur, and a bit of selenium in there as well. There aren't typical application rates because I assume it's, it's linked to the product you're, you're delivering. There's, yeah, I think if we think more sulfur rates, then we can tie the product in accordingly, depending on the crop and the the nitrogen amount that's going on. But when we're talking about cereals, we really want to be thinking 40 to 50 kilograms of SO3 um, in the season, uh, similar there to, to the grass crop. But also, but if we then move to some of the um, the, the broader leaf crops, the oil seeds, then we're really looking, um, they have a high demand. So we're typically looking 75 up to maybe 100 kilograms of SO3 there. Again, depending on the, the site, um, and the soil type that uh, the farm's experiencing. And how important are soil conditions? I mean, you've been talking here about trying to get everything working together. pH, moisture content, are, are those things important and relevant? Yeah, I mean, I think relevant particularly in the sense of, I mean, with all nutrient efficiencies, then if we look at the optimum um, availability from a soil, then 6.4 is that pH to be driving for. And it would always be our sort of number one message is to really invest in pH management so that you get that right. That will then optimise the supply from the soil that you've got. And then you're going to be topping it up with um, fertiliser products after that. But also, you know, something like sulphur then is, is similar to nitrogen in that there's a mineralization process that happens through the season. Um, and that process is most efficient when we've got um, air spaces we've got moisture and some warmth temperature so as soils warm up air in the soils moisture we get mineralization and we get turnover then of sulfur coming in and out of availability that the crop can take up so again cultivation management of the soils to promote mineralization um, will always help uh, again just with that sort of steady supply of uh, nitrogen and the sulfur um, through to the crop I'm getting the impression that there's not a great buildup of sulfur in soil. So it's not something you can build up for long-term use. Virtually every season, there's, there's sulfur leaving the crop. Yeah, I mean, sadly, it is one of those. Um, it's, again, similar to nitrogen in that sense that it's, um, that yes, organic material. It'll, that'll be a good nutrient store, as it always is. And we must always strive to have good levels of organic matter and increase those because that gives a, a better nutrient store. But because it's mobile in the soil, um, then yeah, any carryover that happens from one year to the 
next is likely to be lost through some runoff. But again, it's why we shouldn't oversupply because that adds risk into the environment. But sadly, you can't really have a strategy of building up by um, higher application rates at any one season. What's the best way to check the sulfur content of your of your soil? Yeah, I mean we've got you've got a number of ways of um, really monitoring and sort of managing your sulfur. Um, one of the critical bits I just mentioned there that sulfur moves through the soil, then on which is similar to nitrogen. Where it differs from nitrogen is how it moves and its mobility in the crop. And with when we look at the crop, then it struggles to move sulfur from the old leaf to the new leaf, whereas nitrogen is very mobile within the plant, so the plant can shunt it from old leaf to new leaf as that new growth happens. Sulfur, that doesn't happen easily. So what you see then is the symptoms appearing in that youngest leaf that's growing. So that starts to go yellow. And that would be distinct from nitrogen, where you see that yellowing happen in the older leaf first. So that's the first, you know, there's a real sort of field symptom, and that can certainly alert you to sulfur deficiency or or your sulfur management isn't working. That's one of the things that we've picked up easily with the with these new visual scanning techniques that are being yeah. used increasingly. I was discussing that the other day with, with Natalie. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a very easy one to pick up. Yeah, you can really, it's a, and it's something to look out for. That's, you know, because you can then do something about it through applications. Um, the other way then to really monitor the crop, you can do soil testing. But I think the, the most, or one of the most useful ones is then to look at the grain test. So you can either do that in hindsight. So you can look at, you know, take grain now if you know the fields it came from and the regime that you used last year. And you can then look at the nitrogen sulfur ratio in that grain. And when we're anything up to sort of 17 to 1, then we've had a good sufficient supply happening. So your strategy is working. If you're creeping to 17, 18, 19, even 20, then that's starting to indicate that your um, strategy either hasn't worked, you've not supplied enough, or you've got a particularly responsive site because of a poor supply. So you can then just take that and refine and review your strategy on the back of that analysis. So it's a combination of um, visual symptoms, um, then some soil or tissue testing, but then finally grain testing can really help you sort of fine tune, refine um, the program for the following season. And talking about refining, uh, I've already mentioned historical exercises and the widespread coal burning that went on, but that's gone. Uh, but cutting yeah. emissions is still on our minds. Uh, along with that, things like cover crops and more use of manures, if you mentioned before, and various sorts. Will those affect the calculations and your, and your estimates, all that ad additional organic matter? Yeah, I think as we, and certainly farming is really tasked with that now to improve soil health, to improve organic matter. And that basically, you know, the big benefit of all of that activity, um, notably cover crops as well, is to build that inherent fertility in the soil that part of that fertility will be sulfur so it you know over time then that's why it's important to monitor because you might be able to start to reduce sulfur rates over time if you build up that real resilience in the soil so i think those all of those activities they're, they're there for a purpose and doing a purpose and and hopefully that then comes through to some input savings on the back of that because that's really the, the intention so we can reduce reliance um, on fertilizers but really important to be monitoring that through testing to see how that's playing out in the field 
which as as usual the message is always keep calculating always keep judging keep assessing yeah which to be yeah. fair arable farmers are pretty good at but uh, perhaps some of the grassland people have have other things on their mind very often yes absolutely <laughs> and i think um yeah the grassland farmer really cares very um clearly clear, cares about the, the livestock and the cows and the sheep and but yeah thinking about the grass and how that's performing especially in a year like this where um you know feed as an alternative to grass is going to be expensive so yeah really maximizing those yields of grass with the nitrogen you're applying so again a good message for the that grassland sector to to manage that because we know that you know the yields that we get from crops are typically 10 percent yield responses so put that into calculations we've seen ourselves over recent years on typical arable crops then we're looking at 0.4 or even up to 1.4 tons a hectare as a response um, to our sulfur applications. But not only that, we've done calculations recently just to look at the nitrogen use efficiency and where we use that multiple applications. So the product Axan, um, then we're getting from seven to 20% improvement in nitrogen use efficiency. So again, a real sort of win to be gained from that application of sulfur. Well, we've covered quite a fair number of points there. So to sum up, what, what are your key pointers about sulfur and its management? Yeah, I think um, I think I'd sort of highlight four really. Um, a make sure you get sulfur into your crop nutrition plan because it is such an important nutrient. So if there are supply issues, then yes, there's product available. So make sure you do get sulfur into that program. I think manage it in the most efficient way. If, you know, we talk about nitrogen use efficiency, but you know, sulfur is just the same. We want to be efficient. So little and often, multiple applications, minimum two there. Um, to get that sulfur on and give a season-long supply. Use the analysis that's out there to really understand and review and fine-tune the strategy. So make use of all that. And then finally, don't rely on manures and organic products. Certainly use them, but keep checking that crop just in case they don't deliver the sulfur that that crop is needing. Thanks, Mark. Well, we've been hearing there from Mark Tucker, Yara's Head of Agronomy. And remember, sulfur's not just an add-on, it's a vital ingredient. And that's all for now. Join me, Ken Rundle, in a couple of weeks' time for another conversation with Yara's specialists. Thanks for listening to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. For more information, visit yara.co.uk or yara.ie.